The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm Maureen Metcalf, your normal host, or usual host, maybe not normal host. Um, today in the studio, we're joined with James Brenza and Dan Michelko, and we're going to take a different twist on the show. James is actually going to interview me. James is a regular guest. Uh, he is the co-author of the uh, analytics book, and Dan runs the public radio station where we are being hosted and has been a client uh, looking at his organizational transformation for a number of years. So James is going to ask a series of questions. Dan and I are going to do our best to answer and uh, entertain you. Today is actually our Halloween, the day we're recording. So we are in costumes as recorded. So for those of you who think I'm serious, uh, <laughs> James and Dan are having a hard time taking me seriously today. Um, as usual, the, the goal of the show is quite serious, and that is that as we look forward into the future between now and 2050, the world is changing dramatically. And as leaders, we need to change with it. It is our responsibility to lead into the future and create a future that our children will thrive and that is a serious responsibility. So in each show, I suggest that one of the characteristics of leadership is taking the mind of the scientist. And by that, I mean that instead of being the person who always has the answers, instead be the curious one. So Dan says something that seems like it might make sense in your organization, maybe applied differently than Dan does it, because your organization is going to be different. Or James brings up something. It my invitation to everyone listening is how do you take what we're talking about, integrate into your work, and use this show as a, a launching pad to innovate how you lead so that you can lead the world differently. And that sounds like a big goal, leading the world. And yet each of us has our own role, and each of us is required to make these transitions. So it is a serious invitation uh, coming from someone wearing a witch's hat. <laughs> <laughs> so what we'd like you to leave with today, our, our conversation is about leadership and how to apply leadership in organizational transformation. So I, I realize that that is a fairly common theme. Uh, James will ask me some questions. Uh, Dan and I will answer. I'll give a little more of the foundational theory in some cases. And Dan will talk about how he's applied this 
construct in more practical terms in his organization to make some big changes. And also, if you're interested in learning more about Dan, there's a video of him on the website, and I'll put that on the blog the day that this show airs. So for people listening later, you may have to go back a couple weeks, but we will have a video from Dan talking about the transformations that WCBE is making. So, And just be warned, that video is not me in a monster suit. That is how I actually look. So. So, um, James will introduce himself, then Dan will introduce himself, and I will be a guest. Thanks, Maureen. It's great to be back on the show again. As our work has continued since the analytics book, I continue to lead multiple analytics initiatives across a lot of different firms and having a lot of great successes and actually a lot of fun. Uh, It's one of the joys of being a consultant and some of that moving firm to firm, as well as being the chief data officer for some startup organizations. So it's very fun and challenging. Dan, you want to give a brief introduction? Then we'll get started. Um, yeah, I guess briefly, Maureen really covered it. I'm the general manager of WCBE, which is a public radio station on the NPR affiliates in Columbus, Ohio. And many of the episodes of this podcast are actually taped here at WCBE. And I got here through a very convoluted path, which will play into, I'm sure, some of the questions that follow. But they all really come down to what Maureen said in the introduction of approaching the world as a scientist instead of someone who thinks they know it all. Excellent. Well, and I have to throw out that Dan, early in his career, was a physicist at NASA. So you really are a scientist. Well, not anymore. But yes, I do have a background (laughs) in physics, so that helps. Formal education was... Yeah, the curiosity was there way before. But (laughs) I started off at Penn State in communications. So physics came later, although the curiosity came before, so... Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying the change in roles today. I get to sit in the taller seat and ask the questions. This will be fun today. And I actually want to direct the first one to Maureen. Um, Maureen has authored and co-authored in a series of award-winning books, internationally award-winning books, um, all around the theme of innovative leadership. And yet a lot of your work also practices around organizational transformation. So mm-hmm. let's get started first with how do those two fit together? Thank you, James. I love this question because it is so foundational to my work. The idea that leader, as our environment is changing around us with new scientific discoveries, with climate volatility, with volatility in a lot of arenas, we are subjected to a massive amount of change. And the work of Ken Wilber really talks about or creates a framework to look at how do I as a leader change myself in conjunction with changing the culture and systems of organizations. Also, Ron Heifetz at Harvard talked about the idea of wicked problems, that the problem works on me as much as I work on the problem, that I can't devise the best solution without changing my own thinking. So this gets to that Einstein quote, if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you get what you always got. And underlying that is to create the solutions we're trying to bring about in the world back to it's our responsibility to shepherd our organizations forward in a healthy way so that the many people who count on us are employees, our customers, our stockholders, for public companies, they count on us making 
the best impact we can possibly make in a tough spot. So to solve those wicked problems, I need to be not only an expert in transformation and problem solving, I also have to be an expert at updating how I think about things to create solutions that I wouldn't have had before. So there's an element of a leader developing as the organization has to transform at the same time. How do you look for that leader? I mean, what traits do you look at to say inside my organization, I have a leader that can help us through this transformation? Or let me word that differently, if you're looking for outside help, what traits do you look for for finding a leader that can actually lead that transformation? So I want to go back to the model that we've talked about. And um, if you are new to the podcasts, it, it is presented under the Leader 2050, the first show we did. And then also another one with Susan Cannon and Mike Morrow-Fox, where we really walk through the seven competencies of a strategist leader. And Susan does a beautiful job of giving examples after Mike walks through the the hardcore framework. So I want to just hit a few of those, starting with professional humility, that I need to be willing to not have all the answers. And, And as leaders, most of us of a certain age were taught that good leaders have answers. So, so it really is a shift in my mindset about how I show up. And, and I do want to be careful. I'm not saying show up clueless. It's I have a hypothesis and we're going to work to solve it collectively. Um, dogmatically committed to right action. So I want to work for someone who is all about doing the right thing for the organization, not the person who's most worried about getting promoted, getting a raise, and buying a new jet ski. So so again, the feeling of working for someone who is about doing the right thing, and right is clearly subjective. A 360-degree thinker is the third one that especially in the senior ranks, I need to be able to understand the interconnection across systems. It's no longer good enough to maximize my silo at your expense. So doing right action connected to 360 degree thinker means I might make a decision, and and most of us as senior leaders do this all the time, that will sub-optimize my personal interests or my department's interests so the organization as a whole can, can succeed. Intellectually versatile, they have interests beyond their specific area of focus and and why that's important is we can draw from many different fields to create robust solutions. Highly authentic and reflective that I'm not constrained by personal appearance. Again, this idea that I am committed to right action, personal growth, I I take the time away from work or away from projects to really think deeply about what's required and the impact I'm making and how do I need to change. It's hard to be a scientist without taking time to think. Um, The ability to inspire followership. Again, if we're transforming an organization versus running an organization, I have to inspire trust 
openness. I have to create an environment where people are safe to make change. And again, it sounds simple to say it, but many of our organizations don't feel safe to people to make mistakes. So I show up, I do something I know how to do, and that's great. As soon as I'm asked to do something that is uncomfortable for me and that I risk failure, I'm even the most developed person can be fairly resistant of that if the environment doesn't support it. And then the final one is innately collaborative. That if if the solutions we're trying to develop are too complex for one person to create and implement, then the only path forward is to bring the best minds together and create collective solutions. And that is, in fact, what I think we have done with the books and also trying to do with the show is bringing together the smartest minds uh, that each of our listeners can hear. Mm-hmm. And so it's time for me to stop talking. <laughs> well, if I could synopsize please that list. For me, it all boils down to every one of those qualities. Look for who's asking questions and not rhetorical questions. I've found if someone's asking rhetorical questions, then they're silo protecting, they're promoting self-image, they're doing the things I don't want in a leader coming up. But if they're asking real, genuine questions, that typically is a mindset that embodies all mm-hmm. the characteristics that Maureen just listed. That's how it expresses itself because you, that person wants to learn more And if they genuinely want to learn more about the organization, about the situation, it means they genuinely want to help and come up with solutions. So many elements on our list that I really liked, it started with organizational awareness, Mm -hmm. and then it moves more to the leader for personal awareness. So Dan, you've led through a transformation. So let's go with a a couple of questions here, but we'll start first with organizational transformation. Mm -hmm. How do you see these playing out? In an organizational transformation, then we'll move to the personal aspect of it. So what happened in a more personal basis as that leader? Okay. So organization first. How do these things play out during a transformation? It it can be interesting uh, as it plays out. The first key is making sure everyone is aware of the need to transform. Um, One of the biggest mistakes I've seen in our parent organization, where the radio station is a department of a much larger organization and the parent organization has all the characteristics of a stereotypical large bureaucracy and it's very top-down managed and you'll be told things to do with no context no awareness of need and so it seems silly so in the department in the radio station itself the very first thing that we did uh, Maureen helped me with this in fact we had an all-staff meeting And in that meeting, we laid out, here is why we're going to have to transform. Here is the situation I'm seeing in the future, in those moments of self-reflection that I took away from the day-to-day running of the radio station to think about what is the big picture. It became glaringly obvious that the path we were on would lead to the demise of the radio station. So that was something you had to bring to the organization to make them all equally aware of yes, that. Yeah. Did any of them have awareness of that heading into it? Um, 
Yes, and I don't know how much was self-generated and how much was the result of, of us having conversations in the hall and, and things like that, because I'm also not the type to just sit back in my office and keep mum. <laughs> if I have a concern, the staff knows I have a concern, you know, if, and, and I emerge from my hovel uh, to talk, you know, find out what's going on. If nothing else, it's a radio station. If there's dead air, I have to dash out and try to solve the problem. So there's a lot of interaction. And, yeah, there's, there's very few people who I don't think would have seen the topic of that meeting looming anyway. But I think that is also part of it. If, if you suddenly drop a bombshell on people and they're totally unaware, that can also work against transformation. So, okay. yeah, don't be secretive. So it is safe to say then you have to start by getting everybody to have a common understanding yeah. of the challenges in front of them. And that boils down to respect. And, and, and that is something that it goes back again to Maureen's introduction, this, the stereotypical leadership training. You know, it's like, no, the, the, the people who work for you work for you. They are cogs. They are to be manipulated. Um, and that dehumanizes them. You can't do that. You, you have to respect them at the very base level, first of being humans, and then as coworkers. You know, these, these are vital people to your process. It again reflects back on the, the attitude that you also have to acknowledge that you are not going to have all the answers. The folks on the front line are dealing with whatever your business is every day and extraordinarily intimately. So they are going to see things that you will never see from the top. And if you're not respecting them as people, as players who can bring knowledge to the table that you don't have, the transformation is not going to work. So let's look at the personal aspect of this then. So you seem very conversant in a lot of the terminology, the theories, but the practice as well. Where were you or what did you have to develop at the beginning of that process? Was all of this in your back pocket from the very beginning? The knowledge, no. The curiosity, yes. And that's the driver. Um, you do have to come at it from a genuine base. First, you have to have the passion for the business. You have to have the passion for the transformation. If you don't have the passion, no one else is going to get it. You have to be you have to be the typhoid Mary. <laughs> you, know, you have to come in with your passion for what's going on and contaminate everybody around you with that passion. So um, I'm a passionate guy. <laughs> so it so you was came in difficult. With the, you came in with a passion I aspect. I came in with a passion aspect. Was there anything else you had to add to the mix? Just the curiosity. Okay. I think if you have both of those qualities, you will be open to obtaining the other characteristics, the, the rest of the knowledge that you're going to need. But you have to be open to it. So this is Maureen Metcalf, James Brenza, and Dan Michalko, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Thank you both for joining us. And we're going to go to break right now and come back for Engaging Conversation with James as our host. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. 
As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan and co-host Gisela Gonzalez. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, and welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our innovation is James is hosting. We are joined by Dan Michalko, and I'm Maureen Metcalf. So back to you, James. So in the first segment, what we talked about a lot was how do we handle org transformation versus separating leadership development. Not all organizations have their leaders where they need them. So Maureen, let's talk a little bit about if you have to develop your leaders, what are some of the steps you typically start with to help them develop their leadership skills? Thanks, James. This is a lot of the work I do, so I appreciate getting to talk about it. It, Dan mentioned earlier understanding the vision. So if leaders are developing themselves in conjunction and in service of transforming their organization, first I need to understand what the organization is transforming to. So what's my vision? That helps me understand where to focus the leadership development area. So, so we have the textbooky, what's a perfect leader look like? And um, having written some of those textbooks, I am informed. And yet I'll also say that that's my starting point, not my ending point. So it's the beginning of a diagnosis. What does a strategist leader look like? Well, do you need to be that? And the reality is many organizations we have strategists somewhere within the organization, and often the senior most executive is not that. So so it's a pairing of someone who is a strategist as an advisor, as a number two. So um, not to at all go into politics, but thinking of the pairing of a George Bush with a Colin Powell. They had different characteristics. And... Um, Someone like a Colin Powell demonstrated many of those later 
characteristics in leadership more developed. And that pairing often is what's required in an organization. So partially understand the vision. I assess the leaders and evaluate one, what's required, and two, what do we have? And my assessments often look at the developmental assessment, and so we use the maturity assessment profile created by Suzanne Cook-Greuter. We use a 360 assessment, the leadership circle, and I also use a personality assessment. And, and here's why. In a 360, often someone who is quite advanced developmentally or a very mature leader their 360 won't show up as advanced as they are because they're working in an environment that doesn't support them fully showing up. So so my 360 may be, is often incomplete because it reflects the view of the reviewer and the culture of the organization. And the developmental assessment gives me the, a different view into what's their capacity. So I'll give an example. I was working in an organization, assessed their leadership team, and their ability to deliver results, or how they evaluated each other, was in the bottom 10% mm. for each of them. And I had one guy who, on, on the score of delivering action, was actually the bottom 1%. So what I know, and and this is a good organization. So one of the leaders in his spare time single-handedly ran an organization to raise money to cure cancer and was raising hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in his spare time. And, And no, he was not doing this from the office most of his time. And yet his score on delivering results in the organization was really well below 10%. So that was a big learning point for me that the 360, again, is a starting point. That's how he's perceived. And in that context, it's probably how he's performing. But move him to a different context, and he's quite a high performer. So the solution isn't fix the broken man. It's really, again, back to the interplay between the system and the individual. Is he in the right spot? Is this culture going to allow him to thrive? What do we really need to do in the combination of coaching, dealing with culture, and dealing with systems? And often when I'm called in to coach people, what I find is they are more developed than the system allows them to demonstrate. Now, there are also plenty of people who are less developed, and that's a a different scenario. So, So... vision, assessment, and then development plan. And again, development can be org development, culture transformation, and individual development. And back to our first conversation, that in the transformation process, I should be looking at where's the organization going to be in whatever time period, six months, a year, two years, five years. Define that, define what the leader needs to do to enable that transformation, and the leader development plan is then crafted such that that leader can get to that place and such that that leader can develop their team. So my senior person may or may not get to strategist competency level, 
but I need to make sure somebody on the team is and that we're working cohesively as a team. So if I look around and, and my senior most person is not likely going to get there, all I need to do is augment, not swap out. So I think there are a lot of options to ensure a transformation is effective with the existing leadership team, just finding who is most curious, who is most open and inclined to, to develop, and also who's on my team who's been underestimated, who may actually already be there, and we've just missed it. And that's the most, to me, that's the most precious piece is we've got people who have all the capacity we need, often buried in organizations. And this is an opportunity to really discover almost like a scavenger hunt. Where are my gems that have been underutilized? And I think that's important for us to think about that I don't, I'm, it's not a revolving door like a mechanical object, back to Dan's point, we're, we're dealing with real human beings mm-hmm. who, who have lives and families and hopes and aspirations and they want to contribute. And in many cases, we have the right stuff. It's rearranging and developing. Now, that's not always the case, but often it is. So the bias is... How do we identify and grow? And only in the worst case do we transition people. So an interesting departure that I've noticed, and whether we'd like it or not, a lot of organizations are built like a pyramid. And many times they only look at assessing and developing the top of the pyramid only. And what you brought up, though, is that you have to assess the entire team and work with the entire team. As you're working with them, how do you adapt the tools, techniques, or processes mm. you're applying if you're working at the top of the pyramid versus frontline managers or even lower in the organization? How do you adapt? You know, it's a great question. You know, part of it's economics. So these assessments are expensive. And if I'm in an organization, especially where think food service or retail or some of these organizations, where my turnover could be every quarter or every six months, I may not spend a thousand dollars an employee to to assess them. That doesn't doesn't make business sense. And the assessments I use personally, many of them are quite precise and expensive. And part of my quest is to find tools that are good but not maybe that precise and and so I don't have an answer to assessment tools necessarily a personality type assessment those are often less expensive and helpful um, in the working with people there are options so, so senior executives get one-on-one coaching mid-level people one of my clients is doing uh, quarterly or once every two months Uh, education programs so they bring everyone in we do an educational component we have dinner together and and we often look at business challenges so that the organization looked at their employee engagement survey and this team is chartered to 
pick the top three items and go resolve them. So they're using the leader development forum not only to develop themselves as leaders, but also to build camaraderie among the managers and and leaders of different offices. So kind of the one company concept. And then that team is also building transformation skills in the process. So we think there are a range of creative options. We've got workbooks. We've got online workbooks. Mm -hmm. We've got webinars. We have team coaching of one another. We've got kind of reality challenges that push people to their limits in solving a problem for the organization, but also provide the support such that they don't fail. So I think we try to structure the the development opportunities appropriate for the level within the organization. I'm not going to take all of my convenience store clerks off site for three days to go do um, an outing in, you know, in another country. So, so we, we structure them appropriate, understanding the organization's responsibilities and the financial constraints. And, and frankly, what is going to feel appropriate for the team and if so, I could interject, just the other aspect of that is the, the assessments, the, the tools for top line. They may be expensive. You may only be able to apply them to a certain number of people. But once that is done, don't just read the results. Mm. Do. Take action afterward. So, yeah, maybe this stratum at the top is now a little further developed. Make them go to the bottom. Make them. Encourage them to go to the bottom. They can still interact with the retail clerks, with the the cashier at the food service business. You can still go down, get lunch where your frontline people are, interact, talk, and then you're enhancing the learning that you received at the top level with what the realities of the front mm-hmm. line are. Mm-hmm. And again, now there's a communication channel. Some of what you learned and helped transform you as a leader, you're now imparting, even if nothing else osmotically by going down there and learning from them what's going on on the front line. So in the first segment, Dan, you talked about starting the transformation at WCBE. So whether it was with this particular transformation or perhaps a prior one where you've led, can you help us understand what you've done to help people on the team? Once you've started the ball rolling, you've been transparent, you've got everybody understanding the common problem, you've crafted the vision. Can you give us some examples of how you've helped a person in that team come up that leadership curve? That, I would have to point first to other organizations um, that I've, I've dealt with. And the reason behind that, to qualify, is because we are a department within a larger organization. And the rules and strictures that they have are very deep. Um, and an example of that, uh, a couple of years ago, I wanted to start a mentoring program. As I'm worried about being a single point of failure in the organization, I'm the leader. If I move on to another job, if I decide to check out of this plane of existence, you know, whatever, um, and I am not here, who takes over? Who continues the vision? In our bureaucracy of the parent organization, it's just a typical, we, we, put, we post the job opening and we just assign someone to go in. You don't continue vision that way. So I've worried about that. And I wanted to begin a mentorship program to pick a couple of people inside the organization and groom them and teach them and bring them up. Um, so they're ready. And in the meantime, even if they're not the general manager, 
they're still exhibiting leadership skills. They're being leaders of teams. They're being emotional leaders. They're, they're basically moving the organization forward. I was told to stop the mentoring. That by, doesn't sound healthy. No, it's not healthy <laughs> at all. Um, and, and, but the organization, our broader organization, told me to stop the mentoring because it inherently shows favoritism to those who want to be mentored they will be receiving more opportunities than the ones who don't want to be mentored. My response was, and? <laughs> <laughs> but to the organization, it's, it's that stereotypical mediocrity is promoted because there's, there are so many strictures against any individual showing exceptionalism that you can't follow. So that, I needed to qualify. That's why I have to point outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bottom line of that is it was identifying, again, who, who had the seeds of the passion. Are they, willing to tra- be, are they willing to be transformed and to actively transform themselves? And you, there are lots of ways you can pick up on that. The curiosity is one. The openness in conversation. Are they actively participating when you're speaking with them? Or are they just sitting at the table and their eyes glaze over? You can tell they're daydreaming. You know, it is activation. Are they showing all those signs? And, and that's step one. If they are willing to transform, you've got the seed and you're going to be successful. Perfect. So actually, this leads us perfectly down to talk about the people themselves. So we've talked about how to assess the organization. We've talked about how to assess the team. So we start understanding there's a plan. We have to take some action. How do we break it down to the personal level? And then how do we inter- interact with the person specifically? So, Maureen, we'll go with you first. How do we actually take it right down to the personal level? And what does an action plan maybe include? Okay, so let's go back to I've assessed a client or, uh, or someone I'm coaching. And we collectively evaluate the data. And again, in the context of the organization. So I say I do a 360, I do a developmental assessment, and I find someone is highly, very mature as a leader, or has those innate qualities and tendencies, and yet their 360 is suggesting that they aren't connecting in the organization in the way they need to. So we first make sense of it and understand what is it that's getting in my way of being successful. Sometimes I just haven't gotten the feedback. Right? This is this is how I've been. I've I was in another organization that required this. So this is especially important for leaders it, since the tenure is shorter than it used to be that as I'm transitioning different organizations are so different and we all know that on the surface, but what we don't necessarily recognize is how differently I need to behave from one organization to the next. So so let's use an example of a leader who is new to an organization who is um, moving faster than the organization is. So we hired this person to do a transformation, and oops, they, they are violating our culture. And it's such a common scenario. And then what we need to do often is work with the hiring manager, the new manager, and maybe even the subordinates and get a sense of common agreement for what are we expecting. So if I'm coming in to be transformational, 
that's the agreement with my boss, then am I just not getting the cues and I have to be more like the organization so I can build traction to make the transformation? Or do we have to clarify with people with whom I work, peers, subordinates, other folks, that I am in fact meeting their requirements? So often, again, it's the interplay between the leader and the organization. What are the requirements? Where am I falling short if I'm falling short? And what agreements do we collectively make? All of that happens, and then we agree on the development plan, and from there, start working on whatever activities will support that development. But I can't overstate the importance of the context, and Dan mentioned that earlier. In one context, I have to behave a certain way to, to succeed. In another organization, and so Dan doesn't get to mentor here, in another organization, that's his innate personality. He's he's mentoring homeless people probably on the street as he leaves, <laughs> right? And yet, Funny you should but, mention that. Functionally, yes. <laughs> in the organization, you know, there, there were some of us who are so innately wired for something, and yet it's appropriate to take the cues of the organization. If I choose to work here, I have to respect the, the re- rules that were created for obviously for some function uh, and and that is true in the larger organization so i think there's a lot of interplay that we need to attend to in creating development plans and i think often we just sentence people to coaching to get fixed and don't really acknowledge that that the fixing is not always the individual but it's the interplay within the environment and as the leader that that is why passion and curiosity vision and authenticity are so critical because if you are part of a larger organization you're not the person at the very absolute top you do have to follow the guidelines that that organization has so that your department your division your subsidiary can survive within the broader culture. But what you have control of is what happens within your realm. And that's where if you're being authentic, if your people see that you have the vision and the passion, then they will follow the transformation that you're trying to implement within your part of the broader organization even knowing that sometimes this is going to go beyond what we have rules for, what the broader organization has said can happen, because you're seeing bigger than the broader organization. And that, that way, that's how you avoid the conflict then. Up the chain, you're doing what you're supposed to do. But down the chain, you're transforming. What I find interesting, I've witnessed this in several organizations, where tenure is measured in decades if it's one decade, you're still considered wet behind the ears. Yeah. The norm is two, three, or approaching four decades of tenure within one organization. Many of them are bringing a new executive to try to transform and send the organization in a different direction, take it to a new and different level. Mm-hmm. And yet they end up creating this massive culture clash as they bring in people with fresher ideas or different perspectives. It creates a massive culture clash. Let's go back to some of what you were talking about before then, mentoring. So if you're trying to bring something forward like that 
And if you're mentoring, we're pretty familiar with Maureen's frameworks around leadership levels. Mm -hmm. We start with people that are essentially achievers, experts, individualists, but not strategists. Strategists are 5% or less of the population. If you're mentoring, and I think people can think of this in two different ways, if I'm doing the mentoring or receiving the mentoring, what changes if you're working with somebody at at perhaps lower level of development, let's say an achiever? What changes in the mentoring? So we're going to go to break, and Dan will answer James's question when we get back. Ooh, a cliffhanger. <laughs> Innovative leaders driving <laughs> thriving organizations. You are joining James Brenza, our host today, Dan Mishako, and Maureen Metcalf. And we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, and welcome back. This is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today we are hosted by James Brenza, joined by Dan Mashako, and I'm Maureen Metcalf. We're talking about leaders transforming themselves and their organizations concurrently. James asked a question before we went on break, so why don't you refresh us, and then uh, Dan will enlighten us. (laughs) We're going to let Dan resolve the cliffhanger. So if you're mentoring people who are starting at different levels, how do you adapt the mentoring? You do have to acknowledge where a person is. 
but you have to go at it with the inherent faith that deep down everybody wants to grow. Sometimes you have to be the one who enlightens them to the fact that they want to grow. Um, and obviously for each person that's different. So the key is first get to know that person. Don't go in thinking you're going to transform them the first day. Learn about them. Find out about them. Learn about their interests. And if you know where their passions are, you can hook your mentoring passion onto theirs. And that will carry you through. And that, I have found, works at any level. Even the most base level where they're incredibly self-centered. And there's very little view of the outside organization, very little view of the big picture or interest in it. If you can start letting them see the commonalities between their self-interest and the interest of the organization, they're willing to grow a little bit. And all you need is to get your hooks into that first interest in growth. And, and I, I still have faith. I haven't had the time to work with everybody all the way to the top, but I really do have faith that once you spark that interest in growth, you can take them as far as the leadership charts show. Excellent. I want to add to that sparking the interest and creating the environment. Mm -hmm. And Dan, I think that's something you've done beautifully is the silliness that we have around the station, mm -hmm. right? That it's safe to make mistakes. It's safe to be yourself. It, thinking of the vibrancy framework, I create an environment where I can feel good showing up to work because I, I like the people and I trust the people around me. Yeah. On most days. Yeah, we all have bad days. Um, I feel good about myself when I'm hanging out with you guys because it's fun. I realize it's work, but I feel respected. I feel appreciated. I feel like I can be myself. I don't have to hide behind a curtain to thrive in the organization. Yeah. And something you said earlier, that even in large, complex, bureaucratic organizations, the data from the vibrancy assessment suggests that pockets when, within some of the largest corporations mm -hmm. in the world are highly vibrant, even though we know the organization isn't. So for leaders who are listening and saying, that's nice for you people, but I can't do it here, we have hard data, good Harvard research kind of data that says that, in fact, even in some of the largest and some pretty dysfunctional organizations, we leaders who are able to do what Dan talked about, I can mm -hmm. look up the pyramid and identify what are my givens. Right, So I know I can't mentor even though I think that's the right thing to do. Okay, I'll respect that. Now, what what's the alternative tact I can take to exactly. create an environment within my group that's still highly vibrant and accomplishes our end, maybe in a slightly creative way that still respects the organization's intent mm -hmm. and also does what you need it to do? And that, that is a very, very critical point. And that's why... I'm still here, still trying to keep the vision going and keep the staff rolling mm -hmm. with the vision. Mm -hmm. Because if you have the passion for that vision, mm -hmm. you quickly come to realize there are always alternatives. No matter what roadblocks or obstacles are thrown in our path, there's a way around it or under it or through it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you realize we don't have to be on this particular path. Maybe the alternative is, I'm going to shift gears, we're going to reassess our strategy, and we're going to go on a completely different path. If you have that authenticity 
everybody around you is going to sense it and they're going to start creating the alternatives even if they don't realize it and if you keep your awareness out there you're going to see alternatives where you didn't think any existed and and it is it is critical if you're in a bigger organization that may be dysfunctional that may have nothing in common as a corporate culture with your department culture that is critical to always understand you have alternatives just keep your eyes open so you can see them and mm-hmm. pursue them so as Maureen mentioned at the top of the show we want at every show someone to have some takeaway some action item so what I want to close out with, Maureen, is how do the listeners get started? We have executives that are trying to transform mm-hmm. organizations. We have executives that want to up their own leadership game or individuals that want to step to be bigger mm-hmm. leaders. Mm-hmm. What's their next action item or starting point? Okay, so what I'd say, James, thank you for that question, because this is my commitment. How do we, how do I personally, and how, do, how does my company help? people develop we made several assessments free on the website so www.metcalf-associates.com there are on the right hand side there's an innovative leadership assessment there's a resilience assessment and there's an org transformation assessment those are free I will not spam you if you take it you'll get added to a mailing list and if I get around to it you may get a quarterly newsletter that's about it (laughs) so um, take it have your friends take it use it as a 360 use the tools right so if if I'm struggling with resilience then because we're taking on a major transformation and everyone's exhausted just trying to keep up with the work take the resilience assessment work with a group of people within your office this is what i got this is what you got what are my resilience goals what are your goals how do we support one another there are ways to do it inexpensively there are workbooks for 20 25 so again for many people price accessible and for many organizations. And by workbooks, I mean there are templates, examples, pages with lines on them to write things. These are, I grew up writing in my books. I love writing in books. For, for um, other people, this is just heresy. Uh, we created books for people to write in. For people who want something online, there's an online leadership development tool that's for leaders and emerging leaders Uh, beyond that you can certainly have me do webinars for intact groups listen to the voice america series we had we've had great guests we'll continue to have great guests these are highly educational or or at least that's the intent um If you're interested in moving to a a next level, you can do individual coaching, you can do organizational coaching, and you can do consulting. We have a range of coaches for emerging leaders, leaders, and executives, and they're priced accordingly. We're actually joined in the studio by someone who's not speaking right now, uh, who is one of our emerging leader coaches. So we do have a range of people, again, acknowledging that the work we do in developing and transforming has to deliver to your ROI. So we really do try to attend to who has the best expertise and how do we price our services in a way that you can access them and still deliver the the 
financial results you're trying to deliver. And I realize we are running out of time. Again, the website, www.metcalf-associates.com. There are chapters in the workbook for free. There are publications. There are a bunch of papers. Uh, There are assessments. There's a blog. So there are a lot of resources that you can get to know us before hiring us. And I'd say get to know some of our competitors and decide who's the right right organization for you. If you want to contact me directly, and I would love that, um, info at metcalf-associates.com. Leave, send me questions. We'll read them on the air or we'll email you back directly. I, I would love to hear feedback. What's working on this program for you? What's not? What would you like to hear? Join our Facebook page. There are lots of ways to get in touch with us. Uh, again, that's the Metcalf and Associates page on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. As are our guests, uh, James Brenza, our host guest. Um, <laughs> and Dan Michalko can be reached again on Facebook at WCBE mm-hmm. 90.5. So any of us are available and would love to hear from you. Thank you. This is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm Maureen Metcalf, and we've been graciously joined by our guest host, James Brenza and Dan Michalko. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week.